I loved the game of basketball growing up. It's all I did, all I dreamt of, and all I wanted to be a part of. Man, did I f my life up. Allegations against one basketball ref of betting on games is rocking the NBA. As an NBA referee, it was written in the contract that you couldn't place a bet of any kind, but I had inside information, and that's all I needed to make these picks correct. Timmy would tell me who we would bet on, and I would relay it back to my guys. I said to myself, shouldn't be doing this. But we were winning. I could win a few million on each game. It's a print press. There was a wad of money, and it clicked. He's betting on his own games. And then all of a sudden, the FBI was here. Wire fraud, illegal gambling. Let's go, baby. You can never live a peaceful life when your life has become nothing but a lie. by the good people at the Podbelly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the central university. A study on Like we always do about this time. Boom. All right, everybody. Welcome to episode 342 of our Jacob Do America podcast. I'm your host, in the place to be, Mr. Jacob P. And sitting right across from me is the Brown Recluse, Mr. Art Trail. Art, say hello to the millions. The millions. What the fuck is up, guys? Guys, go to CavemanCoffee.com. Check out their entire inventory. They got the coffee beans. They got the hibiscus tea. They got the cacao butter. They got everything your heart desires. Guys, use promo code AMERICA at checkout to receive that 15% off. And uh, just take a picture of yourself wearing the uh, whatever you, the hats, the pants, the drinking nice. the coffee beans. Drinking the coffee beans. Just <laughs> drinking, drinking the coffee, fun the coffee beans, doing whatever, doing whatever, you know, you feel like you need to be doing with that America, shit. do whatever you want, baby. You know what? You do a grande coffee enema for all we care. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, just use that promo code America at checkout, and that's it. Yeah, so uh, speaking of sponsors, guys, I need everyone to head on over to our other sponsors, guys. I'm talking about SucraApparel.com. We're the great and powerful Nicole Smith Bosch. I think I see you over there on your live. Uh, has put together an illustrious array of merchandise for your consumption pleasure. So check out the store, uh, buy everything that you want, love, and desire, and perhaps maybe buy something for somebody that you love want or desire uh, after all christmas is coming uh, you can be like art over here and just get your nieces and nephews presents or you can be like jacob and overdo it 
and get everybody under the sun a present. But guys, I need everyone to enter promo code Art and Jacob. Save yourself some money, guys. You know, let's not stress out this holiday season, right? Let's not break the bank. Let's not go into debt. Let's not compromise our credit trying to please people that probably don't even care about you. Uh, but guys, <laughs> I digress on that point. Uh, but enter promo code Art and Jacob, and Nicole will give you 10% off your entire purchase. But Art, we're not here to talk, talk about chewing on coffee beans or sticking coffee beans up your butthole to give yourself an enema so you can poop out all that holiday loveliness that you overindulged in or giving presents to people that don't appreciate them. Art, what are we here to talk about today? You know what? I don't know what we're here to talk about today. I don't know how to <laughs> properly uh, segue out of that. Segue out of that, or how to like uh, how to like uh, what we're calling this episode. What origi- what originally was proposed on this episode was, hey, let's talk about uh, the uh, Lakers Kings Game Six series or six Game Six of the 2022 2002 2002. Western Conference Finals that morphed into Tim Tim Donahue's you know saga mm-hmm. and the NBA cheating scandal, um, you know, morphed pretty quickly actually because that is more of an interesting story. Mm-hmm. Um, you sent the podcast uh, whistleblower out to Correct. myself and Jordan, which is a really good listen. Mm-hmm. I do think that they have some dud episodes in the middle, and they kind of sandwich them in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it is a really good listen. Um, I was just listening to the uh, the Mark Cuban episode, mm. which is a really really good listen. It really adds perspective to. Um, I think it's the the golden golden goose episode. Correct. Yeah. Um, that episode, you know, ties every, to me in my opinion ties it all together. Of like, well, what's the NBA doing now? Mm-hmm. And it's um, kind of as a child that grew up with basketball being my favorite sport. <clears throat> Again, I used to pray to God every night that I would be in the NBA. Like me and God even had a pack that if I didn't watch pornography, or not even watch pornography, uh, but like not watch Channel 99, like where it was like scramble, and then you would see a tit here and there. I'd be like, yeah. God, baby Jesus. If I do not watch that any longer, will you please make me a power forward for the Los Angeles Lakers? <laughs> I'll even, if I mess up, I'll even accept a role on the Los Angeles Clippers. But God, please let me grow up to be an NBA player. And God punished me by stunting my growth at five foot eight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which at, at the time, like when I was in the sixth grade, five foot eight was tall as fuck. Like I was the tallest boy in yeah. school at that time. But then, you know, that was it, sixth grade. You're done growing, motherfucker. But um, yeah, ba- it breaks your heart a little bit because you think like basketball is like this. You know, all all professional sports. You when you're growing up are this pure form of competition. Um, and as you come to realize, like we were talking in the group chat because Jordan was supposed to be a part of this podcast as well, but he he had a bad bean burrito and he's got the shits right now. Um, we were talking in the group chat, like even as you go to last week's, you know, game, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs or even the Chicago Bears game last week. Like, there's always, like, really bad calls by the referees. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, like, it's not – and it, I know, like, you know, judging a game in real time, it's very subjective. But sometimes it's very blatant that, oh, wow, that was a bad call. And it was intentional in order to progress 
the agenda of these leagues, these billion dollar leagues. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with you that it's 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 a subjective call. You know, obviously, like one of the, do you remember a few years back, the Saints and the uh, Rams, Rams were playing each other, and it was one of the most egregious like late hit type of type of calls, and like no flag was thrown. Mm-hmm. One of the things to me is like okay, one thing is the calls that are called is one thing. But the calls that are not called are always the ones that determine the game. Mm-hmm. I can live with with a with a bad call, but calls that are not called are, you know, devastating. That to me is like the bad officiating, and and we'll talk about some of that stuff and like you know where that you know how it matters with point spreads and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's more of a stat thing at that point. It gets a little bit nerdy. But uh, not calling a call is is rough. Every time I hear a, a game or you know, a basketball game, I'm like, oh, they're letting these guys play today, and it's like, what? What? Did, what does that mean? Like, I, I've heard announcers say things like that. Oh, the ref is going to let these guys like, you know, play. Like to me, it's like, oh, so we're calling the game differently today. Mm-hmm. Like to me, it's like it shouldn't be that way. Like it. That's always rubbed me the wrong way too. Like, and it's it's become the accepted now. Where it's just like, okay, we're gonna focus on these rules today, but we're gonna ignore these rules as well. Because and it's like, why? Like when you're on the playground playing basketball, like you don't conveniently forget certain rules and concentrate on some rules. Like you just play the game how it's supposed to be played. Even if you're playing like a simple game of chess or checkers or whatnot, like the rules are the rules are the rules kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't manipulate them to <laughs> have a better game. Like that's just not how it works. And but yeah. in professional sports. It is. It is. And, it, and you know, it's part of it is the entertainment quality of it. Mm-hmm. And part of it is the money element of it. And, and um, I don't know. I think it was, it was Phil Jackson when he was coaching the Bulls. And I think they talk about this on that whistleblower podcast where uh, they had just instituted a new rule where you couldn't, like, pivot and, like, mm-hmm. like, and like do like a layup pivot to the to the court and yeah it's like a spin move yeah basically like a spin move pivot to the to the court to the to the hoop and the ref calls it and Phil Jackson like is arguing about it and the guy's like hey you know the rules like they just put this new rule you can't do that anymore and Phil Jackson says yeah they the NBA wants you to call it but they don't want you to call it on that guy that guy and being I feel Michael, Michael Jordan, and I do think that that tells you a lot, and I do think that that is true and factual. There's so many times that like, like what is called is called for specific players and not for other players. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of have to like earn your like, are you a star? Because stars get star calls, and that is the thing. Like, you know, that's not something like. The bro- the broadcast will say that you know like you'll be listening to the broadcast watching the game and like you know whoever it is like Reggie Miller's out there saying like oh yeah in a few more years young buck you'll start getting that call kind of thing yeah and it's like that shouldn't be that way like and we just accept it yeah yeah it's just like oh okay yeah yeah well once you know like you know this guy becomes Joel and B or you know once like you know like that whatever happens like. It'll start getting that call, and it's like it should not be that way. Like there should just be one solid staple to what is being called. And here's a good example too. Like I guess there's like an unspoken rule in the NBA as well. 
<clears throat> do you remember like when Allen Iverson crossed over Michael Jordan and made him look ridiculous on defense? Yeah. After that instance, um, Allen Iverson started getting picked on, basically, getting phantom calls for fouls, started to get – he would go up – and he was notorious for going up to the basket to draw a foul, right? Because he uh-huh. was literally like 5'10", you know, beating himself up, you know, against the Kembe Mutombo or whatever. Literally like, you know, Alonzo Mourning or, you know, one of those big shot blockers would flagrantly foul him, and he wouldn't get any fouls called on him because he made Michael Jordan look ridiculous. And it's the same thing with referees. If you got into it with a referee that very next night, that referee's you know colleague would make you look ridiculous just because uh, the referees they were in this tight fraternity mm-hmm. of individuals. I believe there was at the time there was only sixty or it's eighty now, I believe, uh, referees. But during like the nineties, <clears throat> there was only sixty referees, and they you know they were all friends. They were all tight, you know. And if you made one, if you got into it with one of them or a verbal confrontation with one of them the next night they would be you know like hey we're gonna call ticky tack fouls on him or we're gonna allow him to get beat up under the basket one of the things that i it was should be important to talk about as we get more and more into like the refs and ref lifestyle type of thing i didn't know this that whistleblower podcast makes a big point about this about the uh delaware county Mm, yeah, and how a majority like he listed off all the refs that were like refereeing, and it was you know it was that t- early two thousands class of refs that were like it was something like sixty percent of refs mm-hmm. all came from Delaware County, mm-hmm. like, the Philadelphia area, basically Philadelphia area guys that were hiring their buddies, guys that knew like oh this guy used to ref with my dad, like his son mm-hmm. is doing this, like and. Dude, like, how can you have that? Like, the NBA is hiring these guys. It's not like... An outside agency or anything like that. Yeah, the NBA ultimately gets to approve on this, and they were approving on this, and it was just like, how is this possible? And it's important to note, too, before, like, we get into the who, what, when, where, and why of all of this, too, that, like, it's one thing, like, okay, the NBA offices are located in New York City, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It, you know, beautiful building. They show it a million times in the documentary um, on Netflix, Untold Operation Flagrant Vow. Watch that in companionship with this podcast as well as, you know, the Whistleblower podcast, which mm-hmm. is amazing. There's even a season two of it now that's uh, coming out. Um, but it, if you were taking all these officials and it was from the general New York City area, it doesn't really, it, it's suspicious, but it doesn't raise enough eyebrows because it's like, okay, that's where the NBA is located. But to have them all come from like Delaware County, you know, the Philadelphia area, whatnot, that's suspicious in itself because it's an outside city from where the NBA offices are located at. So you're a whole other different metro, metropolitan area. And then what's the big economy in all this area? Oh, Shit, and and the whistleblower podcast, you know, points it out pretty significantly. It's sports booking, betting, like it's a big organized crime, you know, vices and whatnot, right? And I thought that was like very important because it's like it sets the groundwork for what we're about to talk about. And it's just like, how do you have basically the NBA officials who are like the police of the NBA? They all kind of come from this same area where the big underground economy is sports booking and betting and you're not as players you are not allowed to question their calls you'll be fined 
for it, thousands of dollars or sometimes millions of dollars, as Rashid Wallace could attest to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have the ultimate say. The league always has their back. Um, it, it's very suspicious. And, oh, yeah, they have the power not to fix the game necessarily, but manipulate the outcome as well as the spread, which we'll get into a little bit later, yeah. uh, which influences global markets. Yeah, manipulating the spread, I mean, it's, to me, it's just as bad as, like, I mean, that's basically where the, the money is coming from, like, Correct. the spread betting lines and Correct. things like that. I'll be honest with you, like, I'm not a gambler. Me either. So, like, the, and I've heard that, like, all oh, the money line moved and blah, 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 like, you know. You might as well be speaking Czechoslovakian. Yeah. To me, yeah. it's like, I don't really know that much about gambling, you know, like, I, I don't I don't get it. Like to me it's just like I'm mm-hmm. not not my world. Uh, but to some people like that matters a lot. Correct. And so much so that, you know, once they knew like a certain referee was gonna be refereeing this game, the money line would move. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris Paul had that really big thing where like when people found out I forgot the name of the ref, but the the ref got into an argument with Chris Scott Paul. Foster. Scott Foster had that argument with Chris Paul and Chris Paul's son, like, tell him, like, get that fucking kid off the court. There's no kids on the court. And um, and it was Chris Paul, you know, NBA superstar, NBA all-star, future Hall of Famer Chris Paul. And head of know. the Players Association. Yeah, and so <laughs> they got into it. Anyways, he didn't referee any Chris Paul games for a few years after that. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until he was going to referee the Bucks Suns series, you know, one of the, one of the reoccurring refs of that series – that the betting line moved mm-hmm. because they were like, oh, there's no way the Suns are going to win this. And sure enough, the Suns did not win that. Mm-hmm. And it, and that should not happen. People should not have to take the refs into a, into account for that. And they did, and they were right for doing so. Yeah, he even has the nickname The Extender. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and which we'll get into, you know, uh, other referees doing this as well because uh, he's always put on important game sixes, or game fives to help extend playoff series. Uh-huh. And we'll get into the importance of that later. Uh, but I guess you can say the star kind of, of this podcast, I guess we can, this all kind of circulates around some few individuals. Uh, but the star that's usually like when you talk about the whistleblower podcast or operation flagrant foul on Netflix, or just the Bill Simmons podcast and whatnot is uh, Mr. Tim Dunnigy. And the reason why he's important is because for years, he was an NBA ref, also from Delaware County, also friends with people like Scott Foster um, and, and, you know, other officials such from this Delaware County uh, area as Steve Javi, Joey Crawford, head of the director of officials, uh, Ed Rush, Tom Washington, Mark Wonderlich, Mike Callahan, Ed Malloy, and Mark Lindsay and Aaron Smith. Now that's just current referees that referee during you know the infamous time period that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's literally like eighty or ninety NBA officials that came from this area. Uh, but Tim Dunnigy being one of those people, uh, his father was a referee, his uncle was a referee, so this was in his blood. Um, and the reason why he's important is because in 2007, uh, the New York Post. Um, in an article written by Murray Wise, you know, uh, you know, a very popular um, 
criminal uh, investigator for uh, the Post, uh, he posted that the FBI was investigating an NBA referee who was betting on his own games. And he stated that this all started in 2005 and that there were certain mob ties uh, to his bets. And you were mentioning earlier that when a certain referee would ref a certain game, the money line would move. And just like you, I was very ignorant to the gambling world. I don't gamble because, Mm -hmm. one, I already have bad anxiety when I'm watching my team play anyways. I don't need to put money on the game (laughs) Mm -hmm. to increase my anxiety on it. Uh, But I guess in a nutshell, uh, when somebody, you know, bets, it's not so much like, hey, dude, I bet you $5 that the Lakers will beat the, the Rockets tonight. No, there's the Las Vegas betting odds. Uh, that say, hey, the Lakers are favored by five points tonight. And there's many different ways you can bet, you know, whatnot. But this is just one of the main ways that's important to this story is they're five-point favorites tonight. If they cover the spread, which means they win by five points or more, however much money you put in, you'll get back plus, you know, however much the rate is at that time. Uh, But for in order for a book to work, Equal money has to be paid on both sides. So if the Rockets and the Lakers are playing like they did last night and the Lakers are five-point favorites, equal money has to be bet on the Rockets and the Lakers for an order for the house to uh, get their money back, which Mm -hmm. the house always wins. But if too much money is being placed on the Lakers, that's going to increase the spread, which means that's how the money is paid back to the book or whatever, right? So anyways, what was happening was is there was a very famous Delaware County um, professional better named James Baba Batista mm-hmm. who also went to the same high school as Tim Dunnigy. <clears throat> what he would do is he would do bets called head fakes. Now, a head fake is very similar to in basketball where like you fake out the defender that you're going to shoot it uh, but do something else like drive to the basket. So what he would do is he would place a thousand dollars or so on the team he knew was not going to win. And what he knew later on, what he, we would find out is, is he had an inside source telling him inside information about the other team who he knew was going to win or had a better shot to win. And he would place a fake bet over here for, let's say, the Rockets. You know, a couple thousand dollars in an Asian market, which was 12 hours ahead. And then what would happen is, is a few hours later, once he would get his inside information, put a million dollars on, let's say, the Lakers. And that would influence the sports bet, and he would be able to cover the spread, thus making more money with his inside information. So what the story is, is that, you know, you do have James Baba Batista, uh, he's this uh, professional. Great name, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a pro, pro wrestler yeah. or whatever, right? Sounds like a delicious uh, uh, dessert. <laughs> yeah, let me get the, the Baba Batista, please. Let me, let me get the Baba Ganoush. <laughs> so he, what he did is he had this professional sports book, you know, in the Delaware County area uh, with a bunch of other professional bettors, and they were called the animals. And they were called the animals because they were able to extract inside information uh, from officials that were working in all sorts of um, professional sports, but in particularly uh, the NBA because so many referees came from that area. And the information they would get was so-and-so was out all night doing cocaine. 
this quarterback was cheating on his wife and was seeing his mistress and they were up all night and he was complaining about his bad back and the, you know, uh, the locker room. And so they would filter all this down to them and they would place these, these bets and these fake bets to manipulate the sports line. And what happened was is that Tim Dunnigy, who was uh, considered a very straight-laced um, referee for his first couple of seasons. And the documentary and the podcast shows that, you know, he, his first game, he had to make a very difficult call where it was uh, the Indiana Pacers uh, versus the Houston Rockets. Reggie Miller goes up to um, shoot a basket, and he leans in and he hits Akeem Olajuwon, who was coming down to block the shot in the chest with his elbow. Mm -hmm. Now, in real time, you would think that would be a foul on Akeem Olajuwon, but the correct call was an offensive foul on Reggie Miller because he was leaning in to you know, get the foul. He makes the right call, and he gets shit from it from all of his peers. Like, hey, that should have you should have called a foul on Akeem Olajuwon because Reggie Miller is the golden goose. You need to call that call. So mm -hmm. he gets you know reviewed... And they're like, well, you know what? Technically, Timmy did make the right call. So when they saw that, James, who went to school with Tim Dunnigy, he arranges a meeting with um, Tim Dunnigy through his mutual friend, Tommy Martino. And they have a meeting, I believe, in the Marriott where James Baba Batista, you know, basically tells Tim Dunnigy, hey, saying, hey, I know you're a good referee. I guess at the time he was ranked number three as the most efficient official in the league. He goes, but I also know you probably have inside information. What I'm about to offer you is, is I'll give you $2,000 for every correct pick that you can give me or inside information you can give me for correct picks, you know, on teams that are playing. And if they're, if they win, I'll give you $2,000. If they lose, you don't have to give me any money, which in the sports betting world was a win-win win, 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 win situation for him. So he was able to <laughs> <laughs> give him all this inside information. And when we're talking about inside information, we're not just talking about, oh, so-and-so was up all night or whatever, right? But also, too, like you were explaining with the whole Chris Paul and Scott Foster situation, there was certain referees who either liked certain players or teams more than others or who hated certain teams and players more than others. So they would either call favorable calls or disadvantageable calls, depending on who was working. So one thing that the referees get advantage of, then you know, obviously nobody, you know, the media doesn't get to hear this, is <coughs> the NBA puts out uh, like a class before every game for the referees, basically saying, you know, player X, Y, and Z, they are, you know, the last – two games they've been doing this like look out for um james harden he's known to travel when he does this so look out look circle james harden every time he travels like look at this you know and in a way like let's just say you know james harden's on the clippers let's say he's playing the lakers so that's gonna be a pretty high profile game correct you know clippers versus lakers both have like their set of all-stars and the NBA says, hey, um, look out for James Harden. He travels or, you know, whatever it may be. Kawhi Leonard, he makes sure he's getting all ball because whatever it is. Well, what now, like whether the officiate, you know, this is kind of the loophole. And Mark Cuban had talked about this. Many people have talked about this. 
Like, why are you putting this in the ref's head? The ref should already know how to referee. Correct. You shouldn't have to referee to look out for, oh, this is because they told me to look out for this. This is how you call it travel. Yeah. The, look out for, you know, be more cautious of their travels. Be more cautious of this specific player's travel. This mm. specific player's, you know, like blocking habits, that sort of thing. You know, like. To me, it's that's bullshit. And it's manipulation. It is manipulation of the game. It is manipulation of 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 the referees. And it in a way, it's kind of saying like, you know, what's the point of it? Besides saying like we want, you know, team X to be the the more successful team in this game. And it's like it it, it doesn't it doesn't it shouldn't be that way. It mm-hmm. should not like the the ref should be almost invisible to this to the whole thing. Hundred percent. You should not even notice the referee. It should be like a good offensive lineman. You don't even notice them <laughs> unless they fuck up. And like <laughs> that to me is the issue. Like there's been so many times in pro sports. You know when we were preparing for this. You know uh, Jordan talked about um, uh, Corey Crawford. Joey Crawford. Joey Crawford, sorry, Corey Crawford, shout out Chicago Blackhawk. But um but uh but he did that call where like Tim Duncan was laughing on the on, on the, the bench, bench and then he gave him a technical foul and kicked him out of the game. And it was like, what was that? What was mm-hmm. that all about? Like we've yeah. never seen anything like that. There's been so many calls where it's like, what was that all about? Mm-hmm. We you know, like And I mentioned Allen Iverson earlier, and Allen Iverson used to rub David Stern the wrong way just because like he was one of the first like <coughs> hip hop yeah, baggy Influence, shorts, yeah. Uh, crooked hat, and you know after him they would implement like a dress code, and he was very outspoken against that. And when you become outspoken, you make yourself a target. And so Allen Iverson, one of his moves was you know he would do this like fake dribble kind of thing, yeah. and it looks like palming, but it's not. And so what they would do, like you were saying, is is they would say, "Hey, Allen Iverson palms the ball." when he goes in for um, to fake to go up to the basket. What you need to do is make sure you look out for that and call it palming every single time. And so what that does is is that natural rhythm that, you know, Allen Iverson would be in, you know, to, you know, get his fifty points that night or whatever, gets altered because he can no longer that that is no longer a trick he has in his book because the officials are calling palming on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with that example that you talked about with Michael Jordan. Um where you know they called him for traveling which that spin move is not traveling when you go back to the original rules of basketball but because they wanted to eliminate that out of the sport because it made it too you know whatever the agenda that season was and whatnot right like it didn't you know or it handicapped jordan for that game and whatnot to to manipulate the spread um it, it took that tool out of their arsenal and that's why the players would get so pissed off at these referees because it's like yeah, technically, yeah, this is against the rules, but it's you're calling this because you're targeting me. There's yeah. other players be, that are getting away with it, but you're using this as a tool to target me. So it's not so much as a fix as it is uh, a way of targeting uh, players to uh, manipulate either their behavior or to manipulate the outcome or the spread of the game. The best example of this was where it wasn't as explicit and it was one in one of those episodes of uh, Whistleblower where they actually go to Haras mm-hmm. and they actually place a bet on the Sixers versus the Nuggets. Now, on paper, again, I'm not a gambler. You ask me who's going to win, Sixers or Nuggets? I'm going to be like, okay, the Nuggets. Yeah, you know, buy the Nuggets or whatever, right? Bet on the Nuggets. Well, anyways, 
they explain in great detail how, you know, in that episode, how, you know, spreads and all that works and whatnot. Uh, but anyways, at the end of it, the the Sixers were four point, let's say four point favorites to win against the Nuggets. Now, if the Sixers beat the Nuggets by four, you know, whoever bet on the Sixers gets all their money. But if they only beat them by one or two, they lose all their money and whatnot, right? Again, mm-hmm. this is how the house makes their money and whatnot. So at the end of the game, um, the Sixers win by three. They don't make the spread. And who was officiating that um, game? A Mr. Scott Foster. Now, what happens at the end of the game is Joel Embiid, who is at the time I think was like a 78, 81% foul uh, free throw shooter. Yeah. He was intentionally being fouled by the Nuggets. And Scott Foster, who's very liberal with the whistle, sees a blatant foul right in front of him at the end of the game, which would have given, you know, the spread. Again, the Sixers won by three. The spread was four. If Joel Embiid only hits one of those free free throws, Mm -hmm. Philly wins that spread or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But he doesn't call a foul. Thus, everybody who bets on the Sixers loses. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the work right there, where it's like it doesn't necessarily affect, you know, normal, uh, you know, viewers. It doesn't really affect the standings yeah. of the league, but it affects the betting market. Yeah. And as you as we get further into the story, Scott Foster, <laughs> it goes hand in hand with the Tim Dunnigy. So two things I want to make clear. <coughs> We're probably going to shit on the NBA a lot in this episode, but this is not an NBA exclusive thing. Like the idea of something like this had already kind of crossed my mind. Like, how do we do an episode where we talk about refereeing and not make it boring for, like, the Copper Kellys and all Alejandros of the world? Yeah, you know? people like, don't like the sport. Yeah, but I do think that it is, like, if you look at, like, recently and, like, uh, Arsenal, Premier League team, team I follow pretty closely, um, they had, like, one of the most controversial calls go against them where it's, like, a ball was clearly out of bounds and, like, they, the ref was just like, nope, I don't see it. Well, in soccer, they have, like, VAR. So anytime that they, something, like, you know, potentially, like, bad happens, the ref goes back and looks at it. And they stop the game for, like, a minute or two and they everybody reviews it and, like, like somebody in, like, you know, the corporate office and somebody at the game, like they have to be in a agree- like agreeing, like nobody was offsides. The ball was in play. Everybody agree on it. Cool. Well, this like really egregious thing where like, the ball was like literally like that far out. It's like, clearly there's like space between it. The player keeps it in bounds, scores a goal against Arsenal. Mm. Arsenal lose one zero. So it's like, it became a big thing, like a big talking point. Like how, even with VAR, even with people reviewing this, it still went against their way. Like, and like, <laughs> this is in all sports. We talked about that Rams Saints game where it was like, that dude got hit like 30 seconds after the play was like over and it was still no flag was called. Mm-hmm. We talked, I told you about that Bears game where like the Bears helmet, the Bears player's helmet broke off and got a flag for taking his helmet off even though his helmet was broken. Yeah. It was like, they're, they're really egregious things that is just like, there's no way a referee can't be like, oh, fuck, like, I missed that. I don't know if it's pride at that point. I don't know if it's the human element. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of human element to this. Fast forward to, you know, or not fast forward, but, like, going back to the NBA, one of the things that 
in the time when it happened, I didn't really pay much attention to it, but apparently it was a really big talking point back mm-hmm. in, I think, 2006. 2007. This, well, th- let's go back to 2006 really quick. Okay, okay. Because this is, I think this was the Miami Heat <clears throat> and the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA Finals. Yeah. And in 2006, that final series, I remember I was just very anti-Mavericks. I was like, well, fuck the Mavericks. Like, I was didn't think about it at all. But the talking point was, like, if there was ever a series that was rigged against a team, it was the Dallas Mavericks in that series. And I didn't I didn't know this. I thought we were going to – I honestly thought I was going to be more captivated by that Kings-Lakers Kings Lakers one, which is very interesting. It is a talking point. Tim Do- it ties it back into Tim Donahue, Donahue or whatever. <laughs> but, um, but that series was so lopsided and – and it became so egregious that that I, dude, there needs to be a thirty for thirty on that on that final. And that why Miami is that art? Why why was it so egregious? Uh, well, all the calls pretty much went against the Mavericks, and uh, and a lot had to do with with Mark Cuban basically saying these refs don't know what they're doing. These refs need to be reeducated in in what they're doing. Yeah, Next I wouldn't trust you know, them. I wouldn't trust them to manage run a, dunk, a Dairy, yeah. Dairy Queen. Yeah, yeah, and it was like as soon as he said that Dairy Queen thing, he gets fined, and it was like, oh, you think we suck at this? You ain't winning this shit. Like, yeah, because game one went to the Mavericks, right? And it looked like the Mavericks. Were oh, it was like a year. blowout. It was a blowout to the Mavericks. And then the next four games, the Heat win all yeah. their games. Yeah, and it solidified Dwayne Wade at that point. That was Shaq's fourth ring. Like it put the it you know it put the heat where like the heat are now where they're just like heat culture heat culture remember us don't forget about us <laughs> the, their whole thing but you know at the time I was just like just fuck <clears throat> fuck the Mavericks I was like mm-hmm. that's how I felt about well, I felt about the Mavericks but like in hindsight they were right I would be fucking pissed like that mm-hmm. that was a big big deal that happened and it it gets slept on. It, you know, more people pay attention to the Lakers King thing because it was one game that was very isolated and very poorly officiated. Mm-hmm. But that was an entire series that was very poorly officiated, mm-hmm. and that that was a a big again, like we mentioned. I mentioned there's examples with Allen Iverson. There's examples with the owner Mark Cuban and whatnot. <clears throat> and then going back to like the Tim Dunahee thing. So um, the the arrangement was is he was going to give uh, Baba, you know, Batista. Again, I love that name. Yeah, all beautiful. this inside information. David Stern doesn't appreciate, you know, uh, you know, Allen Iverson doing this. He doesn't appreciate Mark Cuban this. So he's going to put his company guys, such as a Dick Bavetta or a Scott Foster, on the game, and he's going to give them, like, hey, you're going to call these calls. You're going to do these. You're going to, you know, call fouls that you're, are normally, you know, they just let them play through. You're going to call those fouls. You're going to get this person in foul trouble. You're going to keep players, you know, star players on the bench like a Kobe Bryant so that way, you know, they're not out there to score points and whatnot, right? And so that that's what was going on, and that's how the mob was making money because at the same time, Batista was giving these picks to the Gambino family uh, in New York. And I went down a whole rabbit hole with that, and the mafia, I know we've covered the mafia lightly in the past, but in in hindsight, like once, you know, Rudy Giuliani kind of cleaned up New York and they weren't doing, you know, <laughs> a lot of the, you know, famous stuff they were doing like in the, 
you know, the fifties and the sixties, they moved into things like, you know, vices like sports betting and whatnot. And the Gambino family alone from this, just this little era from 2000, uh, what was it? 2003 to 2007, they were making billions of dollars because they were placing bets all over the world in these unregulated markets in Asia and Europe and all this information. And the reason why they got caught was is because um, the FBI of Philip Scala, <clears throat> who was famous for you know bringing down you know the Gambino family, he brought down John Gotti, which is a topic. He brought down Sammy the Bull Gravano, um, you know the origin or one of the. Um, the heads of the Gambino family, he, he uh, you know, investigated the murder. Uh, he also Al Qaeda, like he's this, this mm. very hot shot, you know, thick resume dude, you know, in regards to like the FBI. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a wiretap, you know, trying to catch the Gambino family doing something, you know, some shady shit. And they overheard one of the, you know, members of the Gambino family, you know, bragging about, dude, we're making billions of dollars because we have an NBA ref in the back of our pocket. Now, the rat, I guess you could say, was, you know, trying to extract that information. Who is it that, you know, that you have in the back of your pocket? Who is this NBA ref that you have in the back of your pocket that's giving you all these these winners? And he said the name Tim Dunnigy. And when you look back at, you know, the bets that were be that were given to Batista to, you know, head on to the, you know, the Gambino family, he was hitting, I think it was something egregious, like 82% of the time. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the podcast Whistleblower does a really good job of highlighting that even the most successful um, gamblers, they only hit 52% of the time. And now we're talking about like the best of the best. So for Tim Dunnigy to give 82% of these picks, it was showing something very, very egregious. And they were going to get caught (laughs) no matter what because that would tip the sports line egregiously and the way they were kind of able to do it for multiple years was he would give fake bets and what he would do is he would be on the phone with chris paul's favorite (laughs) referee scott foster and they would give fake bets on scott foster's games so they would bet on scott foster and it would these huge bets these million dollar bets and they would turn out to be losers Mm -hmm. and that's how they were able to you know you know, uh, throw the scent off a little bit yeah. because if, well, if all they're the, losing these games then they can't be like all winners. Yeah. yeah. Because if all of these games being officiated by one referee are all hitting, but then over here, this other, they're putting all this money on this other referee and they're losing. Oh, okay. It's maybe it's just dumb luck. Yeah. And I do think this is more of an East coast type of thing. Oh, hundred percent. This is like, you know, everybody knows like, Oh, Jimmy, the shock, you know, like everybody has like a cousin or something like that. So, like everybody's like one generation away from like mob or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's definitely more of an East coast thing. And maybe West coast is not as big on gambling and that sort of thing. We don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's like, maybe they are, but we're just not here. Yeah. It's like it. more like FanDuel type shit over here. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like, you know, you don't have to go find a bookie or like yeah. you go to mybookie.com here yeah. or something. And it's important you say that too, because this is the era <laughs> of like online betting. Yeah. Where like, you know, those sports book, like, you know, insert Mo from Mo's Tavern, like taking bets, you know, at Mo's Tavern and whatnot. That started to fall by the wayside and was more online betting. So that's why they were betting in Asia and Europe and all these other places is because all those markets were unregulated. Unlike a fan duel where, you know, you have the SEC watching that and shit. But, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, dude, I, I feel like I, I can never get like fantasy football is about as far as I'll go with like putting money on things. Cause like I, I, for me, I think the rush of victory would be too much. I'd be like, I'm going to lose it all, dude. We're putting it all on the fucking ponies today or whatever, you know, like, (laughs) I, I don't know. It's it. I could see how it it, it becomes an addicting thing, mm-hmm. and that is one of the things that uh, Tim Donaghy um, admits too is just being a, a an addict to to gambling. Mm-hmm. So at this time period, I will say we talked about the mob and the Gambino family and all these things that were happening, and and everybody being in that like from that Philadelphia region, like that big family of, of, of referees. And I don't mean like direct family. I mean like, you know, this homie of a homie and like this yeah. guy's brother. And He's this a good guy. fella, you know? Yeah, like, th- you know, that large percentage of refs coming from that area. The thing that kind of blows my mind is there's no way the NBA doesn't know about these things. I I think that... It's very convenient, and I mentioned this to you on the on the the group chat with Jordan, where we were saying like, and I said that whole mob thing. It feels like it's overrated to me, and not because I think that the mob is not tied to this. I think clearly, I mean, if there's money moving and it's gambling, you, the mob would be dumb not to be involved in this. The, the mob is the mob is a very smart organization. They're they're a business, you know. But it's also smart for the for the NBA to be to have a fall guy and just be like, well, look at the mob. Like they're mm-hmm. they're the ones doing this. We just hired guys with good credentials, and they just so happen to be from the same region and all these, yeah. you know. But it's so beneficial for for the NBA to have these guys because these are the guys that's like, okay, after Michael Jordan retired. The NBA had a big identity issue with who's the next Michael Jordan, who's going to take over this role. You know, the Bulls, as soon as Michael Jordan left the Bulls, the Bulls were just not the glamour franchise that they were going to be. It's going to happen with, like, the Chiefs. Right now, the Chiefs are the hot franchise where, like, Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes are there and Taylor Swift is at all the games. But as soon as that leaves, it's now it's just Kansas City. And it's just like it wasn't like that when fucking Matt Castle was a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. So like, I, that's basically what happened with the Bulls, where it's just like the Bulls is just like you know it's a poorly ran organization. It's like it's just not a good good place to go play basketball. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where does this go now? Mm-hmm. Like the the last championship was Houston Rockets with Kareem. And not Kareem, uh, uh, Hakeem. Elijah. Hakeem, sorry, <laughs> dude, that would be really sad if it was the. Wow, but uh, but yeah, you know, and the Rockets were just not a glamour franchise. Like no. it wasn't going to be that again. In '99, the Spurs won. It was not going to be the Spurs as the glamour franchise. They needed something like the Celtics. They needed something like the the Lakers to to pop up again. And and they were. I mean, I don't know if anybody would be more thrilled with Shaq going to the Lakers in the NBA. Like that was like a marriage made in mm-hmm. heaven. And like, it, it it would be foolish not to want to promote things like that. It, it, and the Lakers were that up and coming team, like in '96, because Shaq goes over to the Lakers, who have like this nice core of like young, like Nick Van Axel, Eddie Jones, like the next era of you know nba superstars or whatever and then next year 97 they sent four all-stars uh to the all-star game Shaq, 
Nick Van Axel, Eddie Jones, and a very young Kobe Bryant who became, you know, the the next Michael Jordan basically and whatnot, right? And for like four or five years, you know, they would get so far in the playoffs, you know, then they would run into the Utah Jets who almost beat Michael Jordan's uh, uh, the Chicago Bulls. And that's, again, to go back on favorable calls and, you know, missed calls or whatever. We look it back um, with the rose-colored glasses that Michael Jordan last shot, that Cinderella shot where it's just like the game-winning shot, that was a foul on Jordan. Like, textbook, that was an offensive foul on Michael Jordan. That was him pushing off on uh, Byron Russell on the defender, which textbook you cannot do in that season, the season before, and every season after that. But because it was Michael Jordan, because it's entertainment, it's his last shot, he's going in retirement, and this is the highest-viewed NBA Finals of all time, you don't want to tank that entertainment, so swallow your whistle, let Michael Jordan hit that game-winning shot, 25 million viewers for that NBA Finals. Boom. Thank you. Oh, yeah. By the way, the next NBA Finals, 7 million viewers. You know, so it's like a lot of that mm-hmm. is going on in the NBA. And you're right. The Lakers were like, they were looking at, you know, who is the next franchise we can, you know, attach our our our, uh, our cart to. And it's just like, okay, we got to get the Lakers. But they keep running into the Utah Jazz. You know, like we need, you know, and... I'll say this, like, it's not uh, what pisses me off a little bit. And I've told you guys in the group chat, like, I don't want two Spurs fans, you know, like, you know, tag teaming on me, you know, about, you know, the Laker fan or whatever that, you know, the Lakers are gifted, you know, these championships. Because at the end of the day, the ball still has to go through the basket. Yeah. And and, and I agree with you that with that, like, I, I sent that in the group chat, like, at the end of the day, like Shaq was sent to the to the free court to the free, free throw th- line a lot in those in the last two games of that, but Shaq has historically not been a good free throw shooter, you know, throughout his entire career. But in those last two games, Game Six of two thousand two Western Conference Final, two, and then Game Seven of the same conference, uh, same series, he made nearly seventy percent of his shots. It was on Shaq to 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 like Step fucking up. yeah do it when do it when it, the time matters. It, it, you can't, you know, no one's shooting them for you. You know, there's not a designated shooter for you. Like, <laughs> yeah, the NBA is not increasing. That they don't have a fucking a uh, uh, a carny uh, trick to make like the rim wider to get the shots in or whatnot. Yeah, the baskets, the ball still has to go through the basket. Yeah, and I do agree with you on on that. I I I agree with you on that. I I do think, and then I mentioned this like very early on in the chat, which you know where I mentioned to you and Jordan that it would be foolish not to think that the NBA doesn't want the Lakers in 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 the finals the NFL doesn't want the Cowboys in the Super Bowl mm. the the MLB doesn't want the Yankees in the World Series like those are the glamour franchises when mm-hmm. Duke plays the Duke Blue Devils play in in the, in the the college basketball like people watch you know people watch because it's not just I like this team it's I hate this team. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like there are people that like passionately like Alejandra, like she's a Packers fan. She's always posting all this like anti-Cowboy stuff. And it's just like, I get it. Like, you know, like she probably posts more anti-Cowboy stuff than anti-Bear stuff. And like, <laughs> and it's like, that's not even a, you, they're not even on your schedule this year. Like what, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like type of thing, you know, yeah. it's just like, but that is a hot team where it's just like, that's why like, those morning arguing arguing shows with like Skip Bayless versus random black guy type of thing. You know, it's always like some like 
Yeah. They have they've recycled like the black guy he argues with like twenty times. That's not a racist thing. Look it up. That's real. It's like a real thing where it's mm-hmm. like <laughs> but like that is a thing where it's just, and it's always like is 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 Doc Prescott whatever or is are the Cowboys for real this year? It's always that. And it's mm-hmm. you know, they talk about things like that more than they talk about or, you know, the, the Eagles being ten and one. Yeah, it's like you know you could forget about that because it's not as sexy as that. Or the Yankees. Are the Yankees gonna get like you know? Sorry, Yeah, it's like dude, the Yankees are like you know. It's like it's like how much can like a payroll be kind of thing? You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 weird. It's but at the same time, I get it. It's, it's a business entertainment. It yeah, it is a business. That's how you know. And the, to Mark Cuban's credit, in that podcast, they asked Mark Cuban. Do you want to come on our podcast and talk about this? And Mark Cuban says, now is not the time. And he talks about how the NBA is the golden goose. You cannot go against it. If you if he went on a podcast and said, Hey, the Mavericks got cheated in two thousand six, we should have won that. The refs were clearly against us. You're destroying the golden goose that is one sports, and, I mean, it's not like wrestling. No offense to wrestling, mm-hmm. but wrestling clearly scripted. It's supposed to, work, to go yeah. this way, you know. This is like I would say it's like twenty percent scripted, and the rest of it is on your own to find out what's going on there. Because there is like whether people like to believe it or not, there is a bias. There is there An are agenda. The, you know there you know like once you have a superstar on a team, it's good business for that superstar to be in the NBA final or to be in the in the playoffs at least mm-hmm. you know if they the, can make if they can make the league money and when the league makes money the owners make money and that's yeah. what they were alluding to the golden goose because mark cuban very smart businessman also a vlogger and that very outspoken vlogger and that's why he says what he says now is not the time because he don't want to fucking kill the golden goose mark cuban again yeah he gets punished like an Allen iverson mm-hmm. gets punished for being outspoken and speaking up against all this but then later on wins a championship against lebron james's miami heat the you know um and gets it was favorite. kind of car it was poetic justice to be honest with yeah. you but did he i mean it, and there's like again to play into that whole officiating thing where LeBron was rubbing pe- that time frame rubbing people a little wrong way kind of thing he kind of dissipates too you know and you know the Mavericks are able to and Dirk Nowitzki are able to win and overcome that super team it's a it's a sexy story to tell kind of mm-hmm. thing right but that also too that's when Mark Cuban starts to play ball with the NBA yeah he definitely starts to play ball I don't think the NBA had anything against LeBron at that point at that point the I think NBA the officials did yeah I think the NBA at that point was like very much hoping to get a Lakers versus whatever LeBron team was mm-hmm. on at the time. Like, they wanted that to happen. Oh, yeah. Never happened. But, like, that was the NBA wet dream at that time where it was like, mm-hmm. how can we get LeBron to play against the Lakers? Well, they even had Nike commercials. They had those it. Muppets or whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was full on. Like, I don't think the NBA – maybe some of the officials were like, I don't like LeBron or whatever. But I don't think it was at the level that, like, that was going on in with other teams like there were other teams that were just like full-on not well liked and it was just like i don't think the golden state warriors were well liked for for a while until like the steph curry era happens and like Mm -hmm. the coaching staff but mark jackson when he was there they were not well liked like nba officials did not like mark jackson i don't know if it was because of his broadcasting era or his player era or what it was but 
those players didn't just randomly get good all of a sudden overnight. They were good when he was there. And like they were already they already had the Splash Bros, you know, they yeah, they were younger, mm-hmm. but, but they weren't getting the star treatment. Yeah, but all of a sudden he goes away and his players all of a sudden get star treatment now that Steve Kerr is there. And yeah, maybe you can say Steve Kerr is kind of working the reps before like laughing with them, chuckling with them and but that should not be part of it. Like just because yeah. just because uh Mark Jackson is not that guy who's going to go chuckle with the players and like or refs or whatever like and here's the thing too to to circle back to like the Tim Dunney thing is that when he gets you know um caught for this uh you know with that FBA FBI wiretap he immediately cuz he knows what he did he immediately starts cooperating with the FBI and he tells them all this he says hey this is what you know yes I was doing this but this is the actual culture of the NBA I'm not the only one doing this here is phone records of me every day talking to uh, Scott Foster for hours on the phone with a burner phone and whatnot, right? We all do this. It's not just me, right? And so the FBI is investigating this. Is like, yo, this could lead to a bigger thing like within the NBA, like this big corruption thing, right? And Philip Scala, he tells his supervisor this, and this is kind of where things get fucked up and enter in David Stern, the commissioner of the NBA. Uh, the FBI doesn't have to tell david stern that hey we are going to investigate the nba the fbi what they were going to do is they were going to send tim dunnigy into the nba talk to the referees get them on wiretap admitting that the nba has this agenda to increase revenue to you know increase you know to cheat betting lines all these things that the nba is in cahoots with this because they get emails before every single game telling them, hey, this is how we have to officiate this game to get X outcome or whatnot, right? Mm -hmm. And so Scala says in uh, the Netflix documentary that he tells his supervisor this, and the supervisor knows David Stern. And I had to go through a different uh, means to find out, like, why that was important because it kind of gets, like, over brushed over a lot, even on the podcast, not until you enter season two with uh, Whistleblower. But David Stern, what he did, and I put this in the group chat, is what he does is, and I guess a lot of companies do this, is they hire former Justice Department and FBI officials so that way they can, we're talking about cheating the betting system, so that way they can cheat the legal system. Hmm. What does David Stern do? He hires the former head of the FBI from the Buffalo Division to head as head of security. His head of security learns from, you know, the FBI, his buddies, his former buddies in the FBI. Oh, they're doing an investigation. Have them come in and talk to David Stern. What does David Stern do? He plays the whole, oh, oh, we're going to cooperate with you guys fully. We'll hand over all the records. We'll do an, a full internal investigation of this rogue employee. So he sets the narrative. And what that allows the NBA to do is cover their tracks as opposed to being surprised, you know, by Tim Dunneke still working for the NBA, still, you know, getting people on wiretap, admitting to these things, turning over emails, gives them way to hide all of this. And what happens the very next day after they meet with David Stern in the NBA, the New York Post article comes out. And what that does is, is it cuts the balls off the FBI's investigation and allows the NBA to control the narrative. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Murray Wise, who writes that article, basically in so many words admits to the creators of that podcast. They they interview him. 
saying that they basically he basically is getting a tip from the NBA saying that, oh, the FBI is investigating us. So it's a play by David Stern to kind of cut his losses, admitting that he has a quote unquote rogue referee that's betting on games, manipulating outcomes. And it's just this one guy. It's not our culture. We believe in, you know, the purity of the sport and whatnot. And what is David and what that allows David Stern to do is, is this could have been the it was the biggest scandal for the NBA, but it could have been an even bigger scandal for the NBA because, oh, yeah, the very next year with ratings dropping already, he gets he prematurely renegotiates the NBA's TV deal and secures a 20 percent increase in his TV deal revenue, which increases the ad revenue, which increases, basically creates 80 billion or eight billion more dollars for the NBA and its owners. Mm-hmm. So in an, in essence, the NBA gets some insider trading from their pal from the FBI. Yeah, from the FBI. Yeah, I mean, <coughs> it's smart business move after smart business move from the NBA. The NBA is constantly one step ahead. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, the old uh, phrase of like being too large to fail. Like mm-hmm. I think the NBA at this point is too large to fail. Like we're literally, there's so many cases of like, hey, that was not officiated correctly and people are still going to show up then same thing as the nfl the nfl like there's times where it's just like wow that's really poorly officiated you know um but the nfl you know wants big offense big offensive scores big big like highlight plays and same thing with the nba they need their stars to be successful they need their star teams to be successful to drive this market to 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 for kids to want to buy jerseys for kids to want to like watch the game or whatever Watch Space Jam. It is. Here's Space Jam. It was like brought to yeah. you by the good people at Gatorade or something. Well, you know? even last night, the, it was the Lakers versus the Rockets. LeBron and Emi Adoka, they get into like a verbal confrontation. Nothing egregious. You know, it's mm-hmm. not nothing like fucking Latrell Sprewell choking out uh, PJ Carlissimo. Mm-hmm. But they're like jaw jacking each other, which you've seen a million times when mm-hmm. Jeff Van Gundy was coaching and whatnot, right? But one of the refs, he calls a tech on both of them and ejects Emi Adoka. I'm a Laker fan, but I was like, that's bullshit. Then if you're going to eject Ime, you better eject LeBron. But no, you can't eject LeBron. Mm-hmm. He's a part of the entertainment value of that. Yeah. you know. And you see a lot of that going on. And then that leads back to Tim Dunnigy where he's like, yo, the NBA is saying all this stuff. And like literally like a month before, you know, and mind you, Tim Dunnigy, to his credit, was fully cooperating with the process gets convicted for 15 months, you know, for, you know, betting on his own games and all, I guess it's like three counts of conspiracy and whatnot. But before he gets convicted, he releases a statement saying that, yo, this is, this is the culture of the NBA. And he points to that famous 2002, you know, Western conference finals with the Lakers and the team saying that, yeah, you know, what they do is, is they put their company men such as a Dick Bavetta, and when there needs to be an extension to the series, they will explicitly make bad calls or enforce calls that were never previously enforced. Mm-hmm. And that's where you get the famous 2002 Western Conference, you know, NBA yeah. and, <coughs> finals. And, and, okay, so this is one of the things, I mean, I don't want to go over word for word everything that Mike Wilbon wrote on this in this article. I think he called it, it had a it had a very catchy name that he attached to it. Uh foul game, the um 
foul game. Game six was a real stinker. That's what he called his article. Um, the thing that's really important is most people, the narrative at that time period was viewed as the Western Conference Finals is the finals. Correct. This is what we need more of. Who cares what happens in the finals? We need the viewership right now. This is the hot ticket. With the Kings being up in the series, I th- he points out different plays, different things. The Lakers go into the line a lot of the, th- the time. One of the things that I I think he points out, and I think that it was like, to me it was, that was the narrative that needed to be brought up more. It's not even so much, and I said this at the beginning of, of the of the podcast, some of the, t- some of the calls that get called, it's like, fuck, whatever, I get it. Like, you know, it's like, they're ticky-tacky. Technically, they are part of the rules or whatever. I get it. But the calls that don't get called, that is where it's like, okay, you can't survive that. Like, you cannot survive a non-call. Th- that takes me to the Kobe Bryant elbow on, on Mike Bibby. That was a call. That was at least a, fr- a fragrant one. Mm. At least. And that does not get called. And it's, you know, everybody points out the ref is, like, looking at it happen. And it's like, that should not have happened. Like, that set the tone to, like, this is, this is okay, this, this is the is kind of game. This is the game where we got going on now. You know, it's like the whole thing with the announcer saying, like, the refs are letting them play. And it's like, oh, okay, well, now we're allowing elbows. So it's like, you know, that to me is like, you know, this would later on, you know, uh, Tim Donahue comes out and says, yeah, that's one of the games. Like, you guys all knew it. Everybody knew it. That's one of the games that the NBA really wanted that series to go to seven games mm-hmm. because uh, a couple of reasons. One, it was that was the finals, really. Yeah. Um, two, it was more beneficial to have the Lakers in the NBA finals than the, to have. the Lakers versus the New York team at that time, the New Jersey Nets. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was like the Nets, everybody says, like, well, that's a big market. The, the Nets were not, even now, even like. Jay-Z's Nets, yeah. Yeah, even Jay-Z's Nets are not even viewed as the same as the Knicks. The Knicks are the glamour franchise, you know. It's like, it's just not, not a sexy team. Mm-hmm. It, it just isn't. And like. Especially then, when they were the New Jersey Nets, where it was like, "Oh man, you guys playing the crappy part? Like you guys yeah. are admitting to playing the crappy part? Like, <laughs> damn, you got Kenyon Martin? Yeah, it's just like it was just not not what it is even now. And even now, they're still the secondary team in in the New York area. They're the Clippers. Yeah, yeah. and so like it was just like, oh, okay, well, we'll we need they needed the Lakers to win that because mm-hmm. it was like to have another series where like a team. <laughs> Where it's like this is not a sexy team, especially the 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 Kings. The Kings were just not as marketable as like even with when the Spurs made it. You still had Tim Duncan first overall pick. You still had David Robinson first overall pick. Like they were still selling jerseys. Tim Duncan or um uh Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, the international players that they yeah, can market. I mean they yeah. were still like you know selling jerseys like mm-hmm. you know. Chris Paul, the problem child, or Chris Webber, the problem child, Vladi yeah. Divac, Pages Toyokovic, uh, Hito Turkoglu, uh, Mike Bibby, like a lot of the pariahs of uh, the NBA. They were kind of like uh, dumped in, in Sacramento, and that that was a fabulous team. When you look at that team, the Sacramento Kings, the 2002 Sacramento Kings, from positions mm-hmm. one through twelve were the best assembled team of that year, bar none. Even the Lakers, like, yeah, they have Shaq, Kobe, and you have the, – the drop-off after that was very deep after that. Like, your third best player was what? 
Derek Fisher or Rick Fox. Like, yeah, like you were heavily relying on Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal to win you those series. And, oh, yeah, that was the first season where you started to have that splintering in the locker room, which, again, is another conspiracy. Like the NBA needed that drama. So Shaq talks about that on his podcast with Kobe, that, like, who was leaking all that information out? The NBA, you know, to to sell, like, you know, that drama and whatnot. And this is, like, one of the, like, I said this in the group chat, like, I don't want to, like, have this be like, oh, the Lakers were handed this this uh, this series or whatnot because they needed them to win. Yeah, that is a a part of it. And there's other examples of the NBA doing that too, where they needed, you know, Dallas to win a ser- to win this game to extend the series and whatnot. And at this time, from a Lakers fan perspective, yeah, the the narrative is is like the Lakers were gifted this game. But the narrative going into that season was is the Lakers were on David Stern's shit list because the past two championships that they won, they were steamrolling teams. Uh, In 2000, you know, they beat, you know, a lot of teams that they, quote unquote, shouldn't have beaten um, just because, you know, Phil Jackson implemented a better system and they finally got over that hump with Utah and whatnot. Yeah, that worked out for the NBA. But then the next season, when they were basically went undefeated throughout the whole playoffs, the NBA, this is why they got on the NBA shit list, whether you're the Chicago Bulls or whether you're the Los Angeles Lakers, if you sweep a series, which the Lakers did the previous year, the NBA and all of its TV affiliates lose money. Because you're only getting four games out of a potential seven-game series. That's why after that season, you remember the first round was only five games. Mm-hmm. And you had to win the you know the best out of five. That's why they extended it to seven because the Lakers were losing the NBA money. Yeah, they were getting high ratings for those four games, but instead of having six games or seven games, um, you know they were losing money because the NBA gets billions of dollars for every game, so they're losing billions of dollars. You know, Mm -hmm. when the Lakers are sweeping through the playoffs. So all throughout that whole season, you saw like bad calls against the Lakers. Uh, uh, Situations where, uh, you know, certain players were ejected, you know, or sat down. Even They even say it in that podcast uh, passively where uh, Tim Dunahee says, yeah, certain officials would sit Kobe Bryant down with fouls because it wasn't marketable to have the Lakers go on a 33-game uh, win streak. So yeah, from the perspective of non-Laker fans, like oh, the Lakers are getting all these calls. Mm-hmm. Us as Laker fans, we were seeing some of the opposite happening as well because when the Lakers mm-hmm. would win, they would also get punished for that as well because they would lose the league would lose money on that. And going back to that series against Sacramento, Sacramento was the number one seed in the NBA, the whole NBA. They were the number one seed and whatnot. And at that time, Sacramento was the hardest place to win a game. Maybe Portland had something to say about that. Maybe Utah had something to say about it. But they had the cowbells. It was it was it was ruckus. Yeah. What happened was the Lakers win game one. They whooped the shit out of them in the hardest place to win. They came together like butt cheeks, despite all their personal problems between Shaq and Kobe, and they whooped the Kings' ass. Game two, Kobe Bryant mysteriously gets food poisoning. Now I. Don't like going down this rabbit hole of like, oh, the Kings, uh, they poisoned Kobe Bryant. But that is a big thing where games two and three were tainted because Kobe Bryant, and you look at the stats, 
he was playing with food poisoning or whatever. Like he gets shot something terrible, 30% from the line, um, only scores like 18 or 20 points. Very un-Kobe Bryant-like, you know, games. Obviously, the Kings, you know, they win those two games. Game four, the Lakers bounce back. The series is tied 2-2. Now the Lakers look like they're getting ready to do what they did the previous year, and that's steamroll that team. What happens in game five in Sacramento, again, game five before that game six, is the Lakers experience what the Kings would experience in game six. They're getting all these bullshit calls called against them. And you have that very famous, and it's in um, the Netflix documentary where Shaq says on live television, he goes, I think this is bullshit that these motherfuckers want to get involved in the game. And you see ticky, or not even ticky tack fouls, ghost fouls being called against Shaq. And you see Shaq and Kobe go up, drive to the basket, which, you know, famously there's a foul on every, you know, drive to the basket or whatever and not get called anything. You have Vladi Divac, you know, holding, you know, Shaq has Vladi, Scott Pollard and Chris Webber. When you go back and you look at that game, fouling him simultaneously at <laughs> at the yeah. basket and it's not getting called. You know why? Because the NBA can't have what they had the previous year, which is the Lakers steamrolling. So the Lakers get cheated out of game five. Shaq, Phil Jackson, Kobe, all these players who don't give a fuck about a fine. They make a lot of money to be able to pay these fines. Start calling that out, which... So then the... The next the game... Kings get cheated out of game. Yeah, the next game, which so is my, very my, popular uh, my uh, behavior issue, that happens in the NBA. Well, they, yeah. they call that out. And then the next game, that's the receipt. My issue with with I, I get what you're saying, and, and I think every team and every game you can there's ticky tack calls. Um, I don't think that there were anything like anything too egregious. Like I said, like that elbow thing, that's a pretty egregious. That's like a we're talking about like a fragrant fragrant call, like getting like dismissed. Like, I don't know if there was anything that level where, like, you know, Shaq gets elbowed and nobody calls anything. Oh, no, 100%. Scott Pollard elbowed him right in the stomach and it didn't get called. Yeah, but it's, uh, I mean, to me, it's just like, I don't know. I don't think that the NBA would want to punish the Lakers for winning too much. I mean, there are a couple of things going into this year. It's like, this was the year that, for some reason, Shaq came out really out of shape. It was the, It was the year that, like, the Lakers were not gelling. Maybe it was like the champ- championship hangover era of of the Lakers. They didn't come out as hot as like as you know people thought they were going to come out. It, it was it was a funky year. It was a, it was a pretty funky year for for the Lakers in general. Like they just didn't look like they had looked over the last two years. I, I don't know if that had anything to do with you know like nobody told Shaq to gain weight over the summer. Like yeah. it was just like that was on him. To me, it's just like. It was, it, it just goes back to, like, who do you want in the NBA Finals? And it was, it was basically that. I mean, it was, I think it, a little bit of that, but then like too, they couldn't have the series end at Game Four or Five. They yeah. needed that, you know, they needed that series to go to seven games. And then they even said that Dick Bavetta was on record of saying, "We'll fix Games Five and Six, or not fix Games Five and Six. We'll we'll call Games Five and Six for the home team, the team that needed it." And then let Game Seven happen and may the best team win. Scott Pollard even says, like on that podcast, he goes, "Yeah, we we choked on our fucking own bone right there, and you know we let the Lakers you know come out of that and whatnot, right?" So I mean, 
to me, it's not about like, oh, we got to get the Lakers in there because, I mean, as you see the last after that season, you know, the Lakers don't get into it. Even if they are getting favorable calls, they don't get in. Again, the basket still has to, the ball still has to go into the basket, yeah. you know? And so I think it's it's more or less the money behind it. It's more profitable to have seven well, games. Yeah, yeah. But, but at that point, they don't get into it, not because any other reason. But at this point, I know that they were like, you know, in that Kobe Bryant, you talk about how like there was drama in the Lakers at that point. Like yep. it was not the the Lakers of the past three years. There was drama. There was all these things. You know, Shaq gets traded. Like Shaq doesn't just get traded for like like gaining weight. He got traded because there was like real drama going on there. I mean, mm. th- there were things going on there, and that's more like the Lakers. That's a different story. Yeah, I different. think I think the NBA would have loved to have another like super dominant team like the like the Bulls were in the 90s. But look at the Bulls though. Can you name a series where the Bulls swept? Mm, no, but I mean and, that, and that's the point though. And then um you look at like cuz I went down the path of like okay cuz Tim Donaghy apparently there's this whole list of games that the NBA you know extended, you know, uh going back all the way to 1984. And a, a lot of those series were had Michael Jordan and his Bulls, the darlings of the league, mm-hmm. getting calls against them as well. And that you talk about the the series against Indiana with Reggie Miller where they almost, you know, take the Bulls out, um, that final three-peat that they had. Uh, that had a lot of shady calls. The New York Knicks series against the Bulls. Like all these series where it's like the Bulls could have easily have swept some of these teams but they didn't because it was more profitable to have Michael Jordan in more games than it was to have them sweep. So that's the bigger the bigger conspiracy right there is extending those series. And when you have uh, Tim Donaghy saying like, yeah, they have their company men like your Dick Bavettas, like your Scott Fosters, like your, I was about to call him Joey Diaz, Joey Crawfords uh-huh. <laughs> doing the NBA's bidding. And what they also do is to help shut them up. So is, l- let me ask you this, and this is just like a, Oh, go ahead. Yes or no question. Do you think the Lakers get more favorable calls than other teams? Yes. Okay. Well, I mean that that to me that that does it. Like it's just like But so do but so whenever another team is hot though too, they do as well. And with those games, even the Spur- and I don't say this to attack you, even the Spurs versus the Sun series that they had since the Suns were not f- viewed favorably and the Spurs were because the NBA wanted to have a more global market. Yes, the Spurs in the domestic market. You're talking were, about the time that uh, Steve Nash broke his nose and they pulled him from the game? Well, that and then the the fact that they were getting the same thing, game five and game six, <laughs> yeah. with you know getting players in foul trouble that helped the Spurs advance. I mean, every every franchise, not every franchise, but every marketable franchise I, I, gets I, those. I, I I get the global franchise. The Spurs, you know, time after time, do not get record record views for. And that's the one thing that the, I looked the, at. That ninety nine one, that was a low year. I oh. mean, they had they had a couple of like where it was like, yeah, viewership is going up because more people have televisions. There's internet. There's all these things that are going up. Yes, that is true. The the two thousands were kind of a golden era for that and the Spurs mm. were part of that era where it yeah, was so like, domestically yeah, yeah they two, were 2003 2005 2007 they were they were viewed as as high points for the NBA yes that is true I agree with that 
but I do think that it's a it's an absolute dream for the NBA that 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 quote with with uh, with David, uh, Stern. Da- David Stern saying my dream scenario is Lakers versus Lakers. I mean that's not a that's that's not even the funny thing is I was talking to my girlfriend about like hey we're gonna cover this or whatever gonna bring up the whole like Kings Sacramento Kings versus Lakers and she was like the Sacramento is a basketball team like (laughs) and then like I would say that she's like a very casual sports person Mm -hmm. and it's and it's like that's the thing like that's it's like yeah I mean people like us are probably gonna watch like I'm gonna find you know if Giannis is there I want to see Giannis play against whatever I'm gonna be there but it's like it's the casual person that you know can't name five people on on the Hawks you know, it's like, <laughs> like name the Hawks starting lineup. Like that, that to me, that's like, you know, those are the people that are going to watch because, you know, it's this team versus that team. And that's who the NBA caters to. It absolutely casual, does. Who's going to grab their eye kind of thing. Yeah. And um, it, it, I don't want to say it rotates, but it's whoever they can market at that time. After the allegations on Kobe Bryant came out, you saw that there was a huge backlash from the league on the Lakers. You know, I don't know if a lot of people noticed that, but it was just like, what the, you know, I get it. Kobe Bryant, you know, he loses McDonald's, he loses Adidas, he loses all these like sponsorships or whatever, but he also loses favor within the NBA or whatever. And he has to fight, not, he has to pull Sacramento King and not only fight against, you know, the Boston Celtics, but the referees as well. It wasn't until like, you know, changes his number and becomes, you know, super dad or whatever that he endears Mm -hmm. himself and whatnot. Right. But, like, you see, like, at that moment, like, who are we going to reward? Oh, Mark Cuban's playing ball? Okay, we'll throw him a bone here. Oh, we need to increase the international market? And here's other conspiracies here, too. Do Did they manipulate the number one overall pick? So so Houston gets the number one overall pick to get a Yao Ming. Uh, do they manipulate the lottery so that Cleveland gets their home town boy mm-hmm. lebron james it goes back even to the knicks getting patrick ewing and whatnot. i think the patrick ewing one is is the interesting one i mean that definitely is a podcast in itself mm-hmm. that year in particular <clears throat> but um i don't think like like the lebron one like or whatever like like there's been so many times since then like that you know for nobody talks about Who's the dude that got the first? Is it Anthony Bennett? Oh yeah, Anthony. Cleveland. Yeah, like and, and Cleveland got Anthony Bennett. Like that dude's not even in the NBA anymore. Like it, it, it the the lottery is a crapshoot. Like it is yeah. like, it's like even Yao Ming. It's like that dude didn't really pan out. In in theory, he was good while he was healthy, but he wasn't healthy <laughs> and in the NBA that long. And he was only there to like generate money. Yeah, I mean, yeah. to me, it's just like. And I think the the NBA knows that now. It's more of like a, a players league now, where it's like, you know, you know, Kevin Durant gets to dominate and go to wherever he wants to go to. LeBron goes to wherever he wants to. Yeah. Like it is about you know guys like Giannis. They are the rare exception. I have so much respect for Giannis because he's doing it in a market that is like not like it, the. I'm sure the NBA would love to see him in a Knicks or Lakers jersey, but. Yeah. You know, it is cool that he's doing it in a Milwaukee Bucks jersey and he's making Milwaukee cool for being there. But even him, too, like he, again, I don't agree with this, but even he gets like the favorable call. He does, but but it's like, yeah, but you could say that about every superstar in Correct. the NBA. Yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. I, to me, the superstar thing is like that just happens. That's just superstar stuff. That's a different argument. That's a, that's a, that, yeah, I get that. 
Um, but as far as, you know, where the NBA wants its players to go, like, you know, they really, they could care less about players going to, you know, the Pacers. <laughs> like, like the Pacers are like a dead zone destination. Like, they would hate it if, like, superstars got together in Indiana. Like, <laughs> like it ain't going to happen, but, like, no. but it is a dead zone. Like, you know... I, I do think that the NBA more so than any other sports league definitely, you know, manipulates things to go in their favor. They really want certain teams to be more, you know, more in the limelight than other teams. Obviously by the by the fact that they have a Wednesday, a Friday and a Saturday rotating schedule of, of you know, so it's not like the, the NFL where it's like, you know, Every, even the Browns will get like a Thursday night type of thing, you know? Or if you're just a Browns fan, you just get like, you know, they're going to show up in your local network anyways. But in the NBA, those TNT, ESPN games, those ABC, like, you know, Sunday Sunday morning, like Sunday afternoon games, like that's a big deal. So you don't give those up to the Pacers. You don't want like the Pacers versus Hawks on your TNT like night. You know, that's not going to happen. So what do you do? You manipulate it so it's like all of a sudden, you know, these certain teams get a lot of play. Like they show up a lot in in that. And that's a whole different argument. That's a whole different thing where like it kind of fucks up schedules and things like that. Like I'm not a Bulls fan or anything like that, but I do follow the Bulls because they're in Chicago and they probably get the worst schedule more than any other. Like the, the Spurs get a the rodeo road trip. They get the circus road trip because the circus comes to town. They get a giant circus in there, and they use it as, like, the their building gets part of the circus or whatever. It turns into, like, a long road trip where they get so many back-to-backs, you know. And a, a lot of teams get that stuff, Yeah, you know? the Grammy one for the yeah. Lakers, yeah. Yeah, but for some reason, the Bulls usually end up with, like, the worst schedule in the NBA. And it's just, like, that didn't really happen when Jordan's Bulls were there in that second three-peat. But it has been happening now that it's like, we don't really care about you guys. You guys are going to consistently get the worst schedule. Like, you guys are not a glamour franchise. Everybody else, you guys all fucking suck. Like, you guys are not, you guys are going to get like two TNT games and call it a day. (laughs) And it's just like, any given night, you could turn on the the TNT game. It's probably like the Lakers versus, you know, the other. So if you're a referee in that, in that league, and in an era that's pre-social media or whatnot, seeing that, seeing that you get an offer from somebody that's auxiliary working for the Gambino family, and you have an opportunity at... Tim Dunaghy said he only made 30000 doing this, but it's more or less like in the millions that he made off of doing this. How could you not take part in this? You yeah, know, yeah. If, if it's risk-free, you, you pay nothing. You All you got to do is say like, hey, <laughs> the league wants the fucking Hawks to win this game. Put money on that. You know, yeah. give me my 2000 and whatnot. Right. And then he's over here betting with other people mm-hmm. and whatnot. So in a way, like, I mean, the history looks back at Tim Dunaghy as like this super villain, but he's more, I mean, I don't want to say he's a victim of the culture, but he kind of is. He's the definite scapegoat for all of this and whatnot. Uh, yeah. I mean, at least a victim of the moment. Is that what you said? Or Yeah. 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 And then like, even too, like, even like Jordan brought this up in the group chat where like, people think now that oh he was the one that refereed that 2002 
Western Conference Finals mm-hmm. when it's like he had nothing to do with it. You know, that was other people. It was Dick Bavetta, Mike mm-hmm. Callahan, and Tom Washington. Mm-hmm. You know, aside from Dick Bavetta's old looking motherfucking crib keeper ass, can you name, can he, you know who those other yeah. guys look like? You know, no, no, you're right. I mean, but he is the guy who came out and said in the 2028 when he filed his court document allegations, that was like the one game he highlighted was the mm-hmm. game six, 2000, like, he's like basically just look at that it's nothing but company men yeah. in that game and like like do i need to say more like there you go and then even to the referees it's important to note too like they have a vested interest in extending those games because every playoff game that they work they get bonuses for mm-hmm. so if there's a sweep they they're they're in theory losing money yeah and i didn't look into this but like what would be considered a high profile game and what i mean high profile game would be those tnt ESPN, those type of games. I don't know if referees get more money for doing the high-profile yep. games as opposed to doing, like, Milwaukee Bucks versus... Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, Charlotte Hornets on, like, a Tuesday at 5 p.m. Yeah. If they get more of those, I could see how, you know, the betting line moves more. There's more betting in those games. Just like, you know, it could be... I don't know who's tonight's Sunday night's game, but I guarantee you the Sunday night game tonight is going to get more bets on it than, like, if there was a good matchup in the morning games mm-hmm. just because that is the most viewed game so it's it, it moves a lot so it's you know obviously more high profile so i could see how those refs get more of a more of a bonus and the the nfl is just as guilty as as this uh-huh. as well like yeah they have terrible calls every they, single game and then like i was watching um an espn clip about all this like where they were like revisiting like this topic and whatnot and they made Tim Dunnegy, again, like, he's not innocent, but, that you know, how the media made him, like, this, like, pariah, this rogue referee or whatnot, and they were, like, in so many words, admitting, you know, the NBA, like, had a referee, yeah. has a refereeing problem, yeah. and they were talking about all the implementations that Adam Silver, the new commissioner, has implemented, and you look at it, and you're, like, the same shit's going on, like, that whole um, situation with Scott Foster and Chris Paul just last week. Yeah. You know, happening, Stephen A. Smith talking about, like, he should never officiate any game involving, you know, Chris Paul, who not only he has personal problems with, but he's also the head of the players' union, so they're constantly going to be butting heads and bad calls are going to be impaired and whatnot. It's the same thing as Tim Dunnegy having impartial judgment when he's betting on games that he's refereeing as well. So it's just like, it's still going on with 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 replay and all that it's just happening more low-key even that example where they go to harrah's and place a bet on you know the sixers to make the spread and in so many words scott foster prevents that from happening so that way the money he placed mm-hmm. you know for them not to make the fucking spread goes unnoticed you know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's not a wwe work but there's a lot of shit going on behind the scenes is super shady yeah yeah you know you know, I uh, to to I guess to wrap this up, you know, like you mentioned, uh, uh, the Spurs getting like internet. I don't think the Spurs get good calls at all. Like I've never been like there and been like, dang, they get really good calls. Well, like the- <laughs> but I mean, they might now with uh, Webinano. Uh, no, even even now, like they're on a sixteen game losing streak. But like. I uh I don't I don't I've never even when they were like at the height of like you know the Tony Big Three era I never you don't think so I I traveling I, I, with I actually, Ginobili no, Parker I, I getting away with fouls I I don't think so I I I think that it was I don't I don't think so but the one thing that I will say was 
like, hey, that seems pretty fishy. Like, you know, very convenient for the NBA is that Victor going to the Spurs with the Spurs having the third highest. Like, they had they were in the top three, but they were the number three of the of the top three teams that were supposed to get him. Uh, with um, with them or not? Sorry, not Denver. Detroit and um, and Houston having better percentage odds to get him. I do think that was a little bit fishy, especially because San Antonio has you know had a long history with French players and their French academy and Tony Parker running the French academy and Victor being part of the French academy. I think a good coaching staff. Yeah, it was like okay, that you know I'm sure the NBA did not want him to go to Detroit and like. Yeah, Detroit is a mess right now. It's like you know the Spurs are losing, but they are very competitive in every game, and he's flourishing. You know, he's like putting up mm-hmm. twenty points a game. I do think if you're gonna make an argument for, uh, hey, the NBA wanted this to happen, that I do see. But I, I mean, I don't think the Spurs get better calls than any other team. Even Not even now, even but, yeah. no, but even I think even in their height, like I remember in their height, I I don't think that. The uh, the only time I ever remember thinking like, wow, they really like got some good calls. Where there was a series against the the Mavericks, where, and I think it went to Game Seven. And I think uh, what's his name, um, Vince Carter was Vince Carter was on the Mavericks that year, and he was hitting like fucking clutch ass threes and things like that. That's the only thing where I was like, man, we fucking like dodged a bullet and it was it had the reps did play a part in that if you go back and watch that seven game series like a lot of that was you know you could say the spurs made their shots too but you know calls did go very favorably towards the spurs in that Mm -hmm. in that and like i said it's all about the money like where is the money i mean and I, I don't remember that series at it was all. A, it was a first first round series of. Uh, oh, okay, that's probably yeah. why. But it's like, where's the money going to be? Do we yeah. want the Spurs who had just almost beat the? Is that when they almost beat the, so the Heat? Th- that was the year after they uh, they the redemption season. The redemption season. Okay. Do we really want them losing in the first round, or do we want them to advance to complete the story? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I want was, them to pull a Cody Rhodes it, and complete the story. Basically. It was, it was. That's the one series. I mean, if you look up, I think that would be the 2014 like, first round of the Western Conference. Sounds about right. <clears throat> the the Mavs were like fucking loaded that year, and like, and in all year they had our number. Like that was like you know they circled us, we circled them. Like it was not viewed as a regular mm-hmm. game, um, and um. Yeah, that was that was a really fun series, and and like I think we did get some calls that went our way in, in that series. You know, shit happens. But for the if you scratch that one out, I'd say for the most part, I think it's always been beneficial for the for the Spurs not to be in it. Where it's like <laughs> I I I disagree with with that. I don't think we get very good calls then. Mm-hmm. I don't think we get good calls now. Besides that Maverick series, but then also you could say like Mark Cuban's kind of an asshole. And like maybe that's why the NBA always like punishes him. So, <laughs> which actually I, I like. It, I like Mark Cuban actually. Yeah. Anyways, not to bore anybody with our personal biases towards our team, but anyways, NBA fix or not, you still does it make it? I guess we'll end it on a question. Does it make it? Does it make you less likely to watch it, knowing what you've dis maybe discovered or reaffirmed doing all the research? I'm gonna keep watching it. I mean, I already paid for like the NBA league pass thing, <laughs> so like, um, 
I I uh, watch a lot of NBA. I, I watch it. Uh, I am pretty critical of like of teams and what they do and and that sort of thing. Like, um, but does it take the fun out of it, <sighs> dude? Not in the eighty-two game season. I don't. It doesn't bother me in the eighty-two game season because I do think that the NBA eighty-two game season is 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 its own animal. When it becomes the playoff time, I think ticky tacky calls need to get like done. Like it's time for like, and a lot of times that does happen. I do think that like once the finals start. It's a different game. Now it's a possession base, more ISO, more like more things happen. But I will echo this over and over and over again. You have to call them when they're legit calls. Like like elbows, that sort of thing. Like that stuff is is real and like uh, that takes the fun out of it. Like and and maybe this is my thing where like you know, I watched a couple of years ago where like Kawhi Leonard rolled his elbow or not elbow uh ankle and basically that was his final game as a spur and it like changed the, the spurs forever that was i mean i don't think the nba thought about it at that point where it's like this is going to change the spurs forever we're not going to call this but it was like that dude stepped into a shot and like stepped underneath where he landed and like now it's a rule now it's you know two years later they changed the rule it's like whatever the quiet Leonard rule whatever but like it shouldn't have gone to that. Like that was that dude. Uh, I forgot what his name was. That tall center that they had, but that dude should have been ejected. You know, like it was just it's stuff like that. I don't stand for the Kobe Bryant elbow on Mike Bibby. Like I remember the day after, because I think the game was on a Sunday, and so I think like the following Monday, I was like sitting in like my like <clears throat> like some class, and like that's all everybody was talking. Oh about. yeah, I remember that. And too. I remember thinking like, dude, like. That elbow, like, I don't know about the other calls, like, whatever the fuck you want to feel about the other calls, but, like, Mike Bibby was fucking robbed. Like, like that should have been at least, if not an ejection, at least, like... Flagrant. Yeah, like that. Yeah. I mean, I agree that should have been a foul on Kobe, but, I mean, again, go back to game five, and the NBA is notorious for doing that, mm-hmm. is writing receipts for past wrongdoings and whatnot, and especially in the playoffs, you know? Like I said, in a perfect world, they should call them straight up, but again, that all of the game six was a receipt for the bad calls, not called or called on the Lakers in game five. So it yeah. was it was all I mean, no matter what side of the fence, it was all to extend that series to seven games. So the NBA and its affiliates could make their money. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Right. And have us do a podcast about it twenty five yeah, years yeah. later and shit. Without so, that we wouldn't have an episode. Yeah. So God bless you, David Stern and your brain hemorrhaged ass. So um may you Maybe rest in peace. I don't know. I don't like what he said to Jim Rome, where he's like, Do you, "Have you stopped beating your wife?" You know what? I, I never liked that guy. I think the NBA is better with him like fucking Gone. dead. So like, I I think that you know he got rid of the whole like NBA dress code thing. Mm-hmm. Adam Silver. All, yeah. So like he he got rid of that. However people may feel about the NBA tournament, <clears throat> I think that anytime you introduce something as bold as an NBA tournament to a to a country that's not used to tournaments in season tournaments, it's going to rub people the wrong way, but we'll see how we feel about it 10 years down the line. Um, um, I don't know. I, I think that, I think that Adam Silver is doing a better job 
than than uh David, than David Stern did in his entire career. I agree. I do uh, think that that whole playing tournament is garbage. Get rid of that. Other than that, I'm, I think he's doing a good job. <laughs> <coughs> so with that said, guys, not to keep this podcast going forever <laughs> and ever, we probably could splinter off and do our own sports podcast like uh, Ben Kissel did before he started beating women. But anyways, that's that's someone who does beat their wife. Anyways, guys, with that said, if you have anything to say on this topic, I'm sure Jordan will since he was supposed to be a part of this podcast. Hit us up on all the social medias at Arn Jacob Do America, except for X. Fuck you, Elon Musk. You need to change that shit back to Twitter. Hate seeing X. Uh, except for X, we were at Arn Jacob Do A1, because goddamn, that's just how a steak is done. Uh, guys, hit us up on all the social medias. If you want to help support this podcast, guys, hit us up on patreon.com slash Arn Jacob Do America, where every single week we put together a bonus episode for your listening pleasure, where nine times out of ten, those episodes that you're on the Patreon are better than the actual episode that you're hearing for free. So if you like us here, you'll love us over there. I guarantee it. Just like the men's warehouse. You don't have to go there. We don't implement a dress code. But just in case you want to fall in line with our dress code, <laughs> hit us up on the official website at orangejacobdoamerica.com. Follow the merch links where we currently have four designs up for your purchasing pleasure. And it's not so much to help us monetarily as we probably see a couple cents from every purchase made there, but it's more or less to help promote the podcast so if you're going to an nba game or if you're going to your local bar to watch an nba game um, maybe put some money down you're gonna sit there with the animals the lone sharks if you will uh wear our jacob do america t-shirt uh help promote this podcast because you will be a walking billboard if you will damn my voice is going away uh, but if you want to hear some other great podcasts, guys, we are official members of the Podbelly Network. So check out the Podbelly Network. Check out our boys over at the World Famous Sofa King Podcast, as well as Hillbilly Horror Stories and Robots for Eyes. But with that said, Art, damn, we did an hour 40 on this motherfucker. Damn. Yeah, 30 more minutes than I thought we would. But with that said, guys, goodbye. Good night. Good night.